Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Domesticated Dude podcast. I'm Logan, your host on this journey. Today, I'm visiting with my friend Andy. Andy and I met back in elementary school many, many years ago. We grew up together. We went through school together. We played hockey together on some of the same teams. And we even lived together in college for a little bit as he was going through culinary school. We talk about raiding Andy's brother's CD collection because he was one of the guys who did that Columbia House deal. You know, where you get 10 CDs for a dollar or something super cheap like that. It's kind of crazy that some of the artists that I grew up listening to are either still making music or I'm still fascinated by their collection and I'm still listening to them. And I'm sure you are too. There's just something about music that brings you back to specific points in your life. We also talk about his path to becoming a chef and how he knew that being in a kitchen and leading a kitchen is what he was meant to do. We also get pretty deep. We talk about Andy's journey to sobriety and what led him to that point, how he was able to get through it, mostly through the support of his family and other people in his life who were his support system. Just a reminder to everybody out there, if you're struggling with something, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to talk to your friends. If your friends are supportive, you know they're the real deal. If you like what you hear on the podcast, share it with a friend, leave us a review, make sure to subscribe so you get the newest episodes immediately. You know the drill. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend Andy. Hope you enjoy. It's good to see you. How you doing? Good, man. Very nice to see you. It's been forever. I know. It's been a while. I was thinking about this today. I think the last time we actually saw each other was our high school reunion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? 2015? 2015. My math is correct. Yeah. Five years at least. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, man. What you been up to today? What's What's been going on? Um, well, got a couple of days off from the restaurant. So, uh, on those days I try to do as little as possible, but end up just my everyday life, uh, going to the gym, just running some errands, uh, just trying to keep everything moving. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to hear it. What's your, what's your gym routine like? Um, right now I, uh, just started going, um, pretty hard in the gym, uh, the past probably two years, uh, quit drinking about two years ago and, um, started just an active routine. Uh, try to do about four times, uh, a week in the gym doing just hard cardio lifting. And then, uh, try to, I just started uh, mountain biking a lot recently. So try to get on my bike at least two times a week. Awesome. Awesome. And you live in Colorado, so there's plenty of places I'm sure to kind of bomb around on, on the bike there. Is that, uh, yes. is that accurate? Yes. Yes. It's, uh, being uh, from Alaska and everything, I mean, the outdoors up there, just top-notch, nothing beats that. Um, I figured coming to Colorado, I would um, be saying the same thing all throughout living here. But um, the more I get out there, it's just you can do everything here. You could be on a mountain snowboarding and then be biking the same day. Like, you can do everything. It's amazing. Do you still snowboard and ski in the in the wintertime? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I um 
this year went uh, a bunch. Um, one of my uh, cooks actually was, uh, he worked part-time at a ski resort, so he gave me a bunch of uh, free day passes to uh, Eldora Mountain, so I got to go there a lot this year. And you've been snowboarding for a while, right? How'd you get into all that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, probably about uh, seventh grade, sixth, seventh grade, just uh, got into skateboarding and that whole little just, you know, punk scene and all that. And um, winter came, couldn't really skateboard as much up in Alaska. So it was uh, just the easy transition into snowboarding. And then that's just been a, my lifelong hobby. That's just always been the constant. Never, never really gave that one up. So just really fortunate to have that one. That's awesome, dude. So what's it, what's it like? I I've tried snowboarding once in my life and it was a terrible experience for me. It was, uh, I I was in fifth grade and it was a, it was a spring break, like go on the bunny hill type of thing. And I fell, I swear every like 10 feet. And after that, I was like, Nope, I'm never doing this again. This is terrible, but you've been doing it since seventh grade. How did you, what was that process like for you to learn how to do that? Was your brother into it or was it just something that you picked up naturally? Um, actually my brother, uh, my oldest brother, Victor, um, him and I both learned together. Um, one night just, we were sitting around, we would always go to Blockbuster like every Friday or Saturday (laughs) night and get movies and watch them together and, you know, just get junk food and stuff like that. And, um, one of the na- nights we went, we found a like how to snowboard video. So we rented that and decided uh, to go light up this little hill that was in our backyard with my brother's truck. And we just started bombing the hill. And from there on, just, you know, started going up to Hatcher's Pass and um, yeah, crashed a lot, a lot, definitely. But um, yeah, it just stuck for sure. That's cool, man. You, you mentioned your brother, Victor, right? A few uh, of my fondest memories was when we'd be at your house and your brother would be gone or something, and we'd kind of raid his CD collection. And we found all sorts of stuff, man. Rage Against the Machine, some cakes, some Roni size, some 311, back when they were actually 311. Um, but like those, those memories to me, like that's what shaped my love for music and like all sorts of different kinds of music, because what you listened to and what your brother listened to were pretty separate from what I had around my house. That's been really cool. Or that was really cool to have that window kind of open for me and to get a taste of all these different artists that I wouldn't have known otherwise. What was it like for you growing up with a big brother like that? Um, being able to kind of learn some lessons from him and, and kind of get in on the music scene too. Uh, for me, um, yeah, uh, music has always been a huge part in my family. Um, just growing up between uh, the classics with my dad, just Leonard Skinner, just all that good American rock and roll stuff. And then having my mom, um, she was always playing just the old school Gypsy Kings and Julio Iglesias and just all the just old school Mexican music and stuff like that. Um as I started, you know, getting a little bit more snoopish and my older brother's belongings and stuff like that, um, really fortunate to have him. He uh, was a sucker for all those, like, pay a penny, get 10 CD, um, CD order guides and stuff when I was growing up. So he went deep down that rabbit hole, and I definitely benefited from it, and you. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, I I just remember, yep, you know, seeing his truck pull out of the driveway and like, all right, let's go. And, you know, just raiding those chests, just big treasure chests full of CDs, just all across the board. And, um, yeah, that, that definitely just got my mind. I remember just 
even days when I was by myself, just I would pick out a stack of like 10 CDs and just dissect every single one. And that really, really brought me into um, old school blues, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, Buddy Guy, uh, a lot of the old Jimi Hendrix stuff, more of the behind the scenes, not so well-known stuff. Um, and then from that, started getting really into um, jazz music, actually. Um, yeah, in, in my kitchen, I go pretty hardcore from uh, your very aggressive death metal, and then we'll switch it up, and the next song will be Patsy Cline or some old country <laughs> music or something like that. So kind of throws everybody for a loop, but I mean, it's I love it. Just different moods come with different tunes, you know? Oh, for sure. I definitely know how that goes. For me, mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm writing, I need I need some good music and it it really varies in what I'm trying to do as to what music I'm listening to. Um it's probably the same for you, you know, if you're prepping a service or something like that, you're probably listening to something a little bit different than when you're in the middle of a service, I I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we um we take the music pretty serious in my kitchen, for sure. Um, my lead cook, actually, he uh, when he's not cooking, he's a music producer slash DJ. He has a degree in music production and all that. So he's pretty serious about that. And uh, it's pretty nice because we, we feed off of each other. Like, all right, you know, you're taking the music this weekend. I'll take it next weekend. And uh, we actually, like, take time to put together a proper playlist that's going to go, you know, um, we get busy in the kitchen. So it's like, I want you to play something that we don't have to think about for like four hours, but we're just going to get lost in it. And um, that really makes a huge, huge difference, especially when you're just balls to the walls, tickets everywhere and just, yeah, really easy to lock down when you can just kind of focus on that. What's your favorite music to just jam out to when you're in the middle of a service what's what's your go-to um lately it has been um he's a dj that goes by the name of medicine um really enjoy him uh it's just really easy we end up just (laughs) find ourselves all dancing around and cooking at the same time so it's just something i don't know groovy with the beat you know not too aggressive in your face just something we can all kind of calmly get down with so it's been awesome okay cool all right that's good to know i need i always need some new music when i'm trying to write or brainstorm on things and i just need to focus on what i'm looking at instead of the words Mm -hmm. or something like that so that's that's good for me to kind of i need to keep adding to my library oh i'll keep you i'll keep you with some good ones for (laughs) sure yeah it's it's awesome during like prep time and everything. Um, I like to listen to either old blues or um, we listen to some Motown every now and then just to get everybody. Uh, James Brown was a big one going into this Fourth of July weekend, so that really set the tone every day. So yeah, definitely. Very cool, man. Very cool, Andy. We've been talking about you're a chef living in Colorado. Was being a chef something that you always wanted to do or? I know when we were in school together, when we were in college together, that's what you're going to school for. But how did you realize that being a chef was what you wanted to do? Just like music, uh, cooking in my household was always a big one. Um, I have fond memories of uh, being in elementary school. I would come home, get off the bus, and uh, it would be my older sister, Andrea, um, in charge of babysitting me until my mom got home from work. And she's probably about five 
uh, no, eight years older than me, a little bit of a undershot there, but yeah, she's eight years older than me. So when I would come home from school, she was in those teenage years where I'm in my bedroom, I'm on my phone, kind of don't bug me kind of vibe. So I would watch Great Chefs of the World on PBS every single day when I got home from school and um, just watching all these different chefs and putting together these um, elaborate just pastry dishes and just making these sauces and everything just really, really resonated with me when I was a little kid. And then um, every day when my uh, mother would get home from work, I would help her make dinner. So um, it started being very, very young. My mom um, and my dad were very big about, you know, everybody goes out, has their day, and then we all end the day together at the table. And then as long as we have that, it's like, all right, go do your thing. You're all off the hook kind of thing, just <laughs> as long as we hunker down for 30 minutes at least together. So yeah, that was really awesome. And then as the years went on, um, slowly went from me being like my mom's little sous chef to uh all right what do you want to make today and you know kind of get to put together my own little dinner menu and stuff like that so it definitely started at a very young age and when you were going to school when you're going to culinary school what are some of those lessons that they taught you i mean i i was just before we started watching or before we started recording this i was watching hell's kitchen and so gordon ramsay's in the kitchen like yelling at everybody just flipping him so much shit is it really like that, or is that kind of a is that kind of an over the top portrayal? Um, it it definitely can be for sure. Um, I started uh, going to UAA uh, for their culinary program, and um, it was a very traditional French, uh, classical French cooking program. Um, my chef Naomi Everett that I had in that program, she's to this day one of my biggest influences when it comes to cooking. Um, I got very lucky crossing paths with her. Um, she was very uh, hands-on, um, wanted you to really know the basics so that, you know, just learn all your knife cuts. She would come around every now and then with a ruler, and if we were supposed to be doing a quarter-inch, you know, uh, cuts or a small dice cut, on a carrot if they were a little bit off she'd be like all right this is all stock start over again and uh yeah so just the fundamentals really got drilled into me and um so that was really nice and she was just always a very cool laid-back chef um actually once i graduated she asked me to come back for a couple um, years afterwards to be her like lab aide and i got to eventually run the um advanced culinary class and it was like actually they had a, a restaurant on campus that they would run the front of the house and back of the house were students and um yeah i was kind of like the uh, chef if you will of that and uh, got to do service every day um, with the students and uh really enjoyed that that was a lot of fun that was kind of um, my intro to actual um not wanting to be a line cook anymore, like wanting to progress a little higher. Like this is fun kind of being the, the maestro of my little orchestra of cooks. So yeah, really, really fun. Enjoyable. All right, man. I can. Okay. That's awesome that you, that they gave you that responsibility to lead that group of students in that service and in that class. Mm -hmm. That's, that's pretty cool. You know, it's that hands-on learning that always mm -hmm. helps you once you, once you take that next step. So when you, when you were doing this, was that kind of what solidified for you? Like, yep, I made the right decision. This is what I need to be doing. I can feel it in my bones that I've made the right choice in my career path. 
For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, at that point, I mean, uh, as soon as I graduated high school, um, I immediately dove, dove headfirst into kitchens. Um, other than swinging hammers, working for my dad's construction company, I've been working in kitchens forever. So I think this is like year 17 or something like that going into. So, um, yeah, it's just been, um, I've bounced around a lot for sure. But, um, yeah, through in college, um, it was just kind of line cook. And then, um, probably once I left Alaska, um, I started kind of seeking, you know, more responsibility and stuff like that in the field. So was it, was it something where when you left Alaska, you were able to lead a kitchen immediately or did you have to work your way up? What was that process like? Uh, I definitely had to work my way up the totem pole. Um, from, well, once I was, uh, when I was in culinary school uh, up in Alaska, I was actually fortunate enough to um, go be kind of the guinea pig for this culinary school in Florence, Italy, called the, uh, it was the Culinary Institute of Florence. Uh, it was called Apicius. Um, so I was there for about a semester, um, just doing a couple cooking classes and stuff like that. And that kind of just sparked this adventurous curiosity of, you know, what else was outside of Alaska. So, um, at the time my sister was living in Virginia and she, it was an easy convincing conversation on her end, but, uh, ended up moving to the DC area and it was very much like the hell's kitchen, um, working in those types of just fine dining, white chef coat, um, very cutthroat. Um, there's, bunch of people that want your job and if you screw up somebody's going to throw you under the bus to get it so um that definitely um was kind of uh an accelerator um made you really kind of grow up a little bit more just double check everything triple check everything just kind of watch your own ass a little bit more so uh, one example i got sent home one day for a service and at the time it was taking me two hours each way to get to work i didn't have a car at the time so i was taking a bus and a train each way and um i was in the kitchen my chef came up to me he took my knife and was trying to show me how to plate a tomato salad and he couldn't pass through a tomato in one swipe with my knife and he viciously yelled at me in front of the whole kitchen telling me that I didn't respect my knives or his kitchen and he sent me home and he's like yeah, get out of my kitchen come back when you respect your knives and my kitchen you know blah 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 and I remember saying like well it took me two hours to get here and right there in front of everybody he's like well you have two hours on your way back to think about sharpening your knives and from that day on, uh, I keep my knives like, samurai sharp now. So <laughs> I was gonna say, that was, yeah, that was a lesson I learned one time. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it sticks with you, right? And um, yeah, yeah, I think that's something that people may not be aware of. That if you are a chef, it sounds like you are responsible for your own equipment. It's not like you show up to the kitchen and here's Andy's knives laid out for him. You do you bring your stuff back and forth? Um, now that, um, you know, I've been graced with an office and stuff like that, I get to, uh, you know, leave all my stuff in there every day, which is nice. But, um, yeah, even before that, that was kind of one thing, um, Chef Naomi, again, when I was in culinary school, like your knife bag is an extension of you. It's like your traveling office. And, um, I, my knife bag is huge and I have everything in there from, 
little rubber spatulas, little special plating spoons, just a knife for that, probably like eight different knives that get used every single day. And um, I mean, I bring in a house set of knives for the, some cooks don't have theirs or have the desire to go get theirs. But I mean, for me, it's, you know, I'll use other ones, but it's just, um, I've been using my knives for like, I think I've had them for probably seven, eight years now. And it's just, yeah, it's just, I'm more comfortable. It's just a, just a personal fit type of thing where not all knives yeah. are created equal. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm definitely a sucker. Uh, when I was in culinary school, I remember it was always the uh, big debate on whether you would go out and buy uh, German knives like Wusthof or um, the Japanese knives like Shun or Miyabi or stuff like that. And um, I remember uh, just really falling into all the stories on how they would test out like uh, old samurai blades and stuff like that and just how they would make the Damascus steel and just thinking that was so cool. And uh, then seeing that transformed into like the chef knife world and it's like, oh, I can actually go buy a little mini samurai sword and use it every day, you know, so that was kind of cool. And um I just like the quality of it. Just they look beautiful. The the craftsmanship, they're durable. The just the the way the edge holds. It's I I love them. I'll always use them. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's cool to hear. Like that's something that I would not know otherwise. You know, it's it's just something that's yeah. assumed from an outsider's perspective. That when you you know you go to a restaurant or something, and all the knives are there for all the cooks and all the chefs. You know, you don't really think about they have to bring their their tools back and forth and. That's pretty cool to, to learn some learn some knowledge tonight. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Andy, you mentioned leading a kitchen. Can you tell me a little bit about where you're working and kind of what you're in charge of there? Um, so right now I'm the head chef of a restaurant called Tangerine. It is located in Lafayette, Colorado. Um, I'd say it's maybe about a 15-minute drive uh, from Boulder, Colorado. So, um we get a lot of traffic through there. Um, our restaurant is a uh, pretty high-paced um, breakfast slash brunch restaurant. Um, we just do um, that seven days a week, and um, been there for probably about three, four months right now. Um, probably about three months. Uh, pretty new into it since all this COVID stuff started. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love it. What are some of the lessons that you've learned? We talked about a couple of them already, but what are some of those lessons that you're trying to impart on the chefs in your kitchen? Um, I, uh, pardon my French, have grown up working under a lot of assholes in the kitchen, (laughs) just old school, just grab something, throw it on the ground. Hey, go pick that up. And it's like, why you did it. It's like, I'm the chef, just say yes, chef kind of thing. And, uh, I realize how much that I really don't like that in the kitchen. So I am very big on just not being an asshole to everybody. And, you know, kindness goes a long way uh, for sure. But um, I just like, you know, uh, communication is a big one in the kitchen for me. Um, I just biggest pet peeve. Um, I hate it when people don't talk in the kitchen, especially during a busy service, you have everybody um, is in charge of their own thing for sure. But at the same time, it's a team effort. You have to put stuff in the window together, you know, sell food together. And um, so I really focus on just, you know, uh, I'm very, very vocal when it comes to a service, especially if we're super busy, just 
fire this ticket, what table are you on, where are you at, how much time until this plate's in the window, and just very, you keep people's mind focused like that, just fully ingrained into it, and um, it's hard to go wrong, definitely. I've got a really, really good staff right now, so um, we've had a couple really busy weekends um, recently, and uh, a couple of the, at the end of the weekend, our front of the house manager would come up to us and hey, you guys broke a record today. It was the busiest service you've had. And it was like, it didn't even feel like it at all. Just all of us, smooth, no refires, nothing. And a day like that, it's almost um, after that, you, you want it to get busier. You want to see how far you can push your guys and how much you can handle and stuff like that. And, you know, you come out of a service like that, it's really fulfilling for sure. It's addicting. You know, you want that every day for sure. I can see that. I can see that. It's like being in the flow state, right? Like nothing, mm-hmm. you've tuned everything else out. And the only thing that you're focusing on is that ticket and that, that time mm-hmm. frame right there. Yep. When you're not working in a kitchen, what are some of the things that you're doing to help you stay focused and kind of stay on point when you're, when you're not in the kitchen? Right now, um, I, you know, I put so much into it every week. Um, my days off, I try to do, um, Stuff that will really just take my mind elsewhere. I can just kind of zone out. And um, again, the gym has been a big one. Um, in the winter time, I've been fortunate enough to. Uh, my girlfriend Amanda, she just started um, skiing, and um, that was, you know, I'm a huge snowboarder, and I would go out on the weekends every or every weekend snowboarding. And she kind of, you know, well, I want to hang out too, so she picked up a pair of skis. And um, it's that's been awesome. During the winter, um, every single weekend, we would go skiing together. And um, now in the summer, we go play a lot of disc golf together. And um, again, that was one thing she picked up recently. Um, and those have probably been the, uh, the best ways uh, to spend my time outside, just kind of being active, uh, spending time with her. Um, I have a lot of my family down here, uh, both my older sisters and their family. My mom is down here starting to have a lot more friends from back home up in Alaska pop up down here too, which has been really nice. But um, yeah, we're pretty active. We try to stay out of the house as much as possible. Just keep moving around. There's just beautiful, just everything's beautiful down here. So yeah, you, you found a good spot to land my friend. It's uh, very similar to back home with, with all the opportunities there. That's really neat. Yeah. You mentioned to me offline here that you're helping your other sister Cynthia out with her clothing line. What's that all about? Yeah. Um, the clothing company is called Rocky Mountain Love Clothing Company. Uh, she started it back in 2016. Um, they moved to Colorado from Kansas or Missouri. And um, she just, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom. She wanted just something to do on the side. So she started this little clothing company. And um, at first, she just wanted to focus on, like, some girly shirt options for the curvy girls out there. And um, she started doing pretty good with that um and then she got into doing some charity work with avista hospital in erie colorado um she started a campaign with them for breast cancer treatment um called pinch your peaks and we had a design set up for our clothing company it was a mountain range and just as said pinch your peaks under and it was just a all in pink and everything for breast cancer awareness and um still continue to join into that but uh, about two years ago, I uh, came down and just started helping her out on the side. Um, 
she has a boutique in Erie, Colorado, and then um, kind of scattered uh, across the Denver area. There's a couple other stores that she does business with that we sell through. I was the delivery driver, kind of. I was uh, the brand rep, if you will. I got some fancy business cards and everything, so I would just <laughs> go do deliveries and stuff like that. And uh, recently, in the last uh, not even full year, we decided to... Um, we had a couple um, really good local print companies that we worked with, and they did all of our printing and stuff like that. But we just recently kind of went our own direction. We invested in a screen printing machine, and now um, our shirts that we're doing are a hundred percent. Well, other than actually, you know, sewing the shirts together and everything, like we are hands-on doing the screen printing. Um, we add our little finishing detail patches by hand on them and everything. So. It's definitely been really exciting just um, diving into it and just seeing the process from um, the design to the screen to the clothing product. And um, just now we actually released our first installment to um, our Homegrown series. I uh, partnered up with a couple local tattoo artists and just artists, graphic designers, and um, kind of bouncing ideas off of each other, just putting together kind of like a outdoor scene with, uh, you know, telling them to each one of them has their own, you know, set skill set and what they focus on. And it's just like, make it your own, um, kind of represent you, represent us and just represent the outdoors really. So that's been a really fun, pro fun project. And um, we just dropped our first shirt uh, by a good buddy of mine named Ryan Stratton. He's a tattoo artist here in Colorado. So that's been really cool. Um, really fun process, especially something to keep your mind going during all this COVID business. So, um, yeah, definitely everybody check that out. Uh, rmloveco.com. And, uh, yeah, would love to see some, some support there for sure. That's awesome, man. Thanks for telling us about it. That's really cool. What's it, what's it been like working with your sister on something like that? Is she kind of the boss? She gets to boss her little brother around? What's that like? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's actually been really, really fun. Um, my sister, I've always joked around, well, with both my sisters, honestly, just being my uh, sister mothers, they've always kind of been there, kind of raising me. So um, at first, I could tell I was probably just like, you know, the annoying little brother. And uh, But now, recently, um, she's been uh, letting go of the reins a little bit more, um, you know, slowly trying to transition into uh, hopefully me taking over the company a little bit more. Uh, she's got her hands um, in a couple other businesses, uh, clothing companies, and she runs a boutique in Erie as well. So, um, yeah, she's uh, kind of setting me up to pass the torch here at some point. But, um, yeah, just I absolutely love it. She's a great teacher. Um, definitely know what I can and can't get away with as far as, you know, showing up late to her house and stuff like that for work. So, you know, that's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. It's cool that you get to have that experience with her and be around the family a lot more and be a part of their lives. That's, that's really neat. Yeah. I also want to ask you about another thing, something that's changed since the last time I've seen you is that you stopped drinking. You've taken the jump to sobriety and, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. How did that yeah. come to be? Was it just like an aha moment? You woke up one morning and I was like, all right, I'm done. Or was it something that was kind of a, a slow burn? Um, it was definitely a slow burn. Um, I mean, just drug and alcohol use started very young. Um, just very curious, uh, 
didn't take much to convince me to try new things back then. And, uh, you know, kind of fell off. I can honestly say they're in my 20s and stuff like that. Just, you know, hard drugs, alcohol, stuff like that. And started um, realizing that that was kind of, not kind of, but definitely what was holding me back. And um, I found myself missing out on a couple of really good opportunities, even in um, the cook world. When I was in D.C., I was working for Wolfgang Puck in one of his restaurants, right? Um, like two, three blocks away from the White House. It was called The Source. And um, really fortunate to be in that position is, you know, a kid from Palmer going to D.C. working for one of the chefs you see on TV. And um, that was definitely during my party phase, for sure. Just the crowd of people, um, you know, some would say it's not true, but definitely the restaurant world is a, a lifestyle, just, you know, the after hours and everything. And especially in DC. So um, working two jobs and trying to juggle the social scene and all that um, definitely wore into my professional life for sure. And then um, just back and forth with bouts of, uh, can I do this on my own? Should I, you know, reach out and try and get help? And a lot of the years I kind of just swallowed it and, you know, um, saw it kind of as a, a weakness to, you know, reach out and ask for help and stuff like that and it was uh just a constant battle of oh, okay i got too drunk the other night so this time instead of having six shots or something i'll just have like four or something like that and it was just kind of trying to regiment it myself but just at the time i didn't understand it but like i i don't have control of stuff like that just you know once it gets in me it's just kind of autopilot from that point and um once i moved to colorado um kind of just, you know, I was kicking um, a hard drug habit coming out of Alaska when I moved. And uh, when I landed in Colorado, um, I was so adamant about not picking up the hard stuff anymore that, you know, I turned to alcohol. And that was kind of my vice of kicking the previous addiction. And then my drinking kind of got carried away for the first year when I was down here, um, fell into a little trouble with the law. And kind of just, yeah, I woke up one morning and realized that, you know, that was the main thing that was holding me back and um, decided to stop drinking, um, to start just being healthier. And um, with myself, I need to like really focus on keeping my mind on something like I, I don't like just, you know, the empty thoughts and stuff like that. So um, that has been a big factor for me just keeping like a regiment and the schedule and um just being in the gym uh, I used to be the guy that was hey do you want to go to the gym and I was like absolutely not as I cracked a beer and now it's like I'll every single day pack my gym bag on my way to work with my knives and um as soon as I get off work go to the gym come home go on a bike ride or something like that and um definitely lost about probably 80, 85 pounds in the last uh, year and a half, two years. So that's great. Um, that's been a huge change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just seeing the body transform and everything. And honestly, just um, feeling good every day, waking up, not feeling like trash from the night before. Just, you know, used to be total night owl. Now, um, like on 4th of July, I had to work that morning and, I was falling asleep on the couch by 9.30 that night. Like my 
girlfriend was trying to watch a movie with me and uh, yeah just out cold by 10 p.m the fireworks were going off and i was just sleeping through everything so um yeah it's been a very very good change i'm bummed out that you know it didn't happen sooner but um it did and um i'm the best version of myself i've ever been i can confidently say that and that's very good very good to feel and you know put out there yeah man that's great I'm glad I'm really glad to hear that. And you look great, by the way. I haven't seen you in five years, and this is the first time yeah. that we've been able to get together like this. So you look great, man. Um, Thank you. And I, I'm proud of you for what you've what you've done. That's great. Thank you, man. Thank you. Of course. Um, so as you're going through it, you said that there were a lot of times where you thought about asking for help, but you didn't. If somebody is in that spot right now who may be thinking, hey, this isn't serving me well right now i need to stop i need to stop drinking i need to stop doing drugs whatever it may be whatever that vice is that's holding them back what would your advice be to somebody who needs to get started in that process um i mean for myself um i have a very very strong um just support circle around me with my family uh, my girlfriend amanda is huge in that department and um Honestly, just, you know, once you kind of hit rock bottom um, the way I did, it was just kind of there's only two ways this is going to go. And one is definitely not good. And um, so, yeah, I um, I knew that I could trust. And just a lot of the times um, in the past, I was just more so like just the guilt and just kind of felt ashamed of, you know, coming clean about, you know, my current situation that I was in at the time and stuff like that. And then finally it was just kind of realizing like, you know, this is my family. Um, they've been with me through everything and it's just, you know, um, kind of trusting that they would support me. You know, they've supported me through everything in my life, you know, what's this, you know, kind of just that they will be there. And they were, and it was awesome. Um, very supportive, uh, a nice mixture of gentle and tough love there. So I'm really fortunate to have that. But um, on the other side of it now, uh, we're closer than ever before. Like my two dishwashers and my two nephews and um, my brother-in-law, Chris, we go on biking trips and stuff like that on the regular now and ski trips and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's just amazing um, to see what cutting at the end of the day, something so small like that can be um, out and how big of a just outcome it has on your total lifestyle and everything. Yeah, I bet. Because you're not relying on it anymore. You know that you can make your, any situation that you're in, you can make it your own without that other substance or without that other influence, whatever that is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, and that's just for me personally. Like, um, I had a, a pretty hard time um, just dealing with, you know, hanging out with people again and just uh, experiencing, you know, oh, you don't drink now. So it's kind of, you know, I don't know how to act around you now kind of thing. And, um, at first, you know, that was a little difficult to get used to, um, just kind of being looked at like the weird kid or something like that, you know, you're the outcast now kind of thing. Um, but you know, since then, you know, you cut those, um, so friendship ties that, you know, were a little pointless at the end of the day. So shed a little weight there, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm fortunate, you know, got the social 
our support group down here with the family and everything. So that's been good. Yeah. I mean, if your friends can't accept the change, changes that you're making in your life and be supportive for you, they don't need to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird seeing, uh, <laughs> Hey, do you want to hang out? Have a few beers? Yeah. You know, hang out. Won't have a few beers though. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, uh, you know, I'm a little busy now, so you know we'll, we'll catch up a little later or something like that. And so I think, all right, man, you know. Wow. <laughs> you, know wow. so. you can still hang out with your friends. You don't have to drink beer when you're around them. Damn. Right. Yeah, man. I've had those nights where I've waken up. Um, not so much anymore because Sarah kind of keeps me in line with a lot of that stuff. But I, it used to be, you know, you wake up and you're like, I'm never drinking again. But then that night you're cracking one open and you're drinking again. I'm, I'm thankful that I'm able to kind of um, scale it back to where it needs to be, but still kind of have a balance there. Yeah. Yeah. There's beer is definitely a beautiful thing. I can still say that, you know, um, just, I, I still cook with it and everything like that. I know there's a, a time and a place for it. You know, I, I remember end up a long day, you crack a cold one, you know, that's the instant relief right there. You know, it's just personally not for me anymore um you know i uh, at the end of the week on a busy service i'll go out and buy my cooks like a 12 pack as they're cleaning up and everything it's like all right you guys earn this you know end of a long week you know enjoy it just uh yeah for me it's just i finally understand it's just something that doesn't agree with me so you know <laughs> one of the episodes that we had a couple episodes ago was talking about um, burning things out of your life and I mean, that's a perfect example, burning something out of your life that's not serving you anymore and becoming, helping you become the best version of yourself, like you said. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You mentioned that, Amanda, your girlfriend, was she with you when you were kind of going through some of this or was did you guys meet afterwards? Uh, we kind of met on the, um, the afterwards side of things. Um, I was in a previous relationship um, that ended and then um, took some time, kind of got my head straight and everything, and then started working in a restaurant um, with Amanda. She was the barista, front of the house, uh, bartender. Um, kind of, we didn't really notice each other at first for the first couple months. It was just kind of, we would pass each other in the hall and everything and just kind of went about our day. And um, just one day, uh, we started talking and just the next day it started talking a little bit more and more and um <laughs> working in the restaurant that definitely can happen so um yeah it's been awesome she's uh definitely helped me um get through a lot of hard times for sure very thankful for that support she's uh my rock definitely really really thankful that i got to meet her and um it was really, really fortunate that our paths kind of just lined up the way they did and everything. So very thankful for her. Isn't it weird how people come into your life at the right exact time that they need to be in your life? You notice that? Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she stepped in at the right time for sure. Well, hey, man, we've been talking for a little while. We've talked about a few things. We've gotten pretty deep into some things. Is there anything on the top of your mind that you think we should talk about? When uh, when am I going to get you and the lovely wife to come down to Colorado, show you around, show you some sights? <laughs> once uh, once this pandemic thing kind of gets uh, taken care of a little bit, we've uh, we've been to Colorado quite a bit. She's got family in Denver, so we've been we've been oh, over man. there quite a bit. And actually, we were supposed to be in Denver twice this summer for Red Rock shows, and of course, those got canceled. Oh. 
so yeah that, uh, that was a big one we had uh in the same day uh about four concerts we had bought tickets for already just same day canceled 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 and uh yeah that's another big thing uh the two of us do we just every concert we see um so many shows come through town so um that's been a bummer lately (laughs) you had to bring up the concerts i'm sorry (laughs) i'm sorry it's the biggest sore spot everybody keeps asking me well what have you guys been doing this summer it's like well not much (laughs) played a lot of tennis (laughs) crazy times it is ah. so when um when everything hit did your restaurant start doing takeout service did you guys find ways to keep getting revenue in the door type of thing yeah we um well uh pre-covid takeover i was a chef at another restaurant here in colorado and um unfortunately we had to shut down with everything going on and then um the restaurant i'm with right now tangerine um my girlfriend amanda she works for that company and um just i've met some of the the chefs and the gm and everything for them and they too had to shut down for a little bit but they opened back up for takeout and all that and um they were looking for a chef and it was kind of just a right time right place um so yeah it worked out um got to stay employed there so that was a really nice part (laughs) um but yeah, um, we started with doing just takeout and then um, Boulder County told us that we could social socially distance our dining room and stuff like that. So we actually brought in some like cubicle walls and stuff like that and blocked off sections for people to have um, their own little private dining area and stuff like that. So um, we also have a pretty big patio. So and just tons of sunlight out now so that's really been a huge one it's just the outside seating we've been able to uh, use to kind of facilitate all the other stuff we've kind of had to give up on just spacing everything out differently that's good to hear i mean there's been countless restaurants across the country like you said had to shut down because of this it's just incredible the impact that it's having everywhere I mean, even around us seeing a lot of the the smaller businesses having to shut down and everything, it's, it definitely sucks. Um, But, you know, we talk with some of the owners and stuff like that, especially in the Longmont area where I live. And, um, you know, it's just kind of the waiting game. Just, you know, a lot of them are saying we're shutting down now, but as soon as, you know, things change or we can open up a little bit differently or, um, it's kind of hard for some of these, you know, smaller mom and pop shops to just solely survive off of just takeout and stuff like that when, you know, they need that, you know, revenue and stuff like that. So that sucks, but, you know, we're hoping that things change here. Well, hey, man, thanks for spending some time with me tonight. This has been awesome. I really appreciate you going deep with us and, and really sharing some of your soul with us tonight, man. It, it means a lot. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it. It was very nice to catch up. Yeah, man, for sure. We'll have to do this again. It may be in person when we come to Colorado. For sure. Yes, you come here, I'll come there. We'll trade off. That's a deal. That's a deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, Andy, thanks again, man. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thank you, brother. All right, bud. Take care. Later. Later.